Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the Master of Scaramonies, Matt. Uh, we're here for the part one of two. Uh, we are at the beginning of, of the end, folks. Yes. The beginning of the this end. This is the beginning of the finale of the Twilight Saga. And we've come a long way because, uh, Danny, if you'll correct me, uh, your notes for this movie were, I believe you said, pages long. Yes, cor- that is correct. Your notes for Twilight were uh, shorter. so uh, I didn't take any <laughs> notes for the first one. <laughs> so here so we is really the come growth. a long way. This is the growth that has happened. <laughs> um, I've gotten so invested in this franchise, Matt, and I need you to know that I know you planned on that all along. Yeah. But your plan did work. Good. And it worked really well. I'm very glad because I've been up to my eyeballs in Twilight for the past month, and I never thought I would say that and enjoyed it as much as I have because I've loved covering these movies with you, especially watching Mm -hmm. you experience them for the first time and be just as into them as I was when I watched them. Listen, I'm going to be honest, folks, who are listening at home or wherever you're listening today, um, I did not expect to like or invest myself in these movies when we first talked about covering them but as you may have noticed in the last four and a half hours of uh the podcast um i've gotten a little invested um matt and i may or may not have gotten into a few heated discussions i'm so glad i'm so glad that those days are behind us too (laughs) (laughs) well i mean this movie is where i kind of i i have to face the music and accept Come over to me! Come into me! Come to the dark side! I mean, it's not the dark side. It's just the dark side because it's better and has a better claim. Uh, It's the dark side because they don't like to stand in the sunlight, Matt. Come on. No, because it would remind humans how unkillable they are as their one true masters and gods. But that's not not this part. That's part two. Uh, Part one (laughs) of Breaking Dawn. Uh, So, listeners probably have heard us talk a little bit back and forth that this is the big wedding movie all right this is the one where they get married all right so i hope you're ready for a fun wedding movie a sexy honeymoon movie and then a left turn into cronenberg level body horror because that shit happens later yeah i was watching this movie and i did not expect um the pregnancy to affect her body as much as it did and as quickly as it did yeah because this movie does not shy away from uh, showing you the effects of having a uh, half-vampire, half-mortal baby inside of a body. Which, is, as you can imagine, is not a fun time. No, it sucks. It's uh, it's very dangerous. And it's even more dangerous because as Bella is like, hey, what's going on? All the vampires around her are like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Edward is just like, oh, shit, from the get-go. <laughs> we'll get into Edward's thoughts about this child <laughs> and where I will be very staunchly, at least anti-Edward for a little while, but it's Ooh, okay. Oh, exciting. Come on, you didn't think that when he said, how can I bear to live with it if it kills you, I wasn't going to be like, hey, now. Um, but before we get into Edward being toxic, uh, the very first scene, uh, is Jake being toxic, uh, you know, where we left him, uh, as he gets the wedding invitation. I mean, I would be if I got a wedding invitation I was particularly not excited to get. 
I mean, yeah, I'd be upset, but I wouldn't necessarily just, like, skip out on town for a while. Yeah, no, I wouldn't just leave to go be a wolf for several months in the middle of the wilderness for no reason. <laughs> in Canada. Yeah. Like, he literally leaves the country. That is yeah. how far he needs to be away from everything at that point. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the next time that you and your loved ones are in a uh, romantic camping getaway and you see a Bigfoot or some kind of large creature or winged humanoid, maybe it's just somebody who's transformed into their beast version to work out some of their irreconcilable emotional difficulties. Jesus Christ. So be, be more considered. been all along? Yeah, it's been uh, big dudes, okay, just losing themselves in the forest. Wait, trying to get another thing of where like grief is the real ghost. Yes, Danny, because Mike Flanagan <laughs> nailed it, and nobody listened to him. But grief is ghosts are literally just grief, uh, and it's all really of the random <laughs> side note. Did you see that Mike Flanagan wants to make a Nightmare on Elm Street movie? He also wants to make a fucking dark. He's making a Dark Tower movie right now, and I trust him because he likes that type of nerd shit. But like, mm-hmm. Mike, why? <laughs> He's just trying to go off and do something different now. Yeah, I mean, as long as he saves up time to write a Batman movie, if Matt Reeves still lets him. (sighs) Yeah, that would be rad. (laughs) But anyway, back to Twilight. Back to Uh Twilight. For fuck's sake, please. (laughs) Yeah, heaven forbid. (laughs) Hey, this is a very serious... This is the wedding episode, Danny. We have to put all of our focus on high for this. I don't care how much you might not want it. But it's a good-ass wedding. And the lead-up to it does kind of feel weird. Um, Bella, surprise, surprise, is not into huge weddings. Uh, but Alice yes. is. And we said Bro, that Alice, Alice was going to be Alice has fully wedding. taken over this wedding. So much so, so that she is trying to teach Bella how to walk in, like, three to four-inch stiletto heels that Bella obviously has never walked in before <laughs> and is not comfortable in. And Alice is just like, it'll be fine if you just break them in. And Bella's like, I've been trying. And we're just like, oh, this is not going to end well, Alice. Alice, this is one you gotta, you're got going to have to take the L on this one. I'm so sorry. This is not going to be exactly to your standards, Alice. Alice has taken so much control of this wedding that she went ahead and got herself a pixie cut. Uh, shorter than she already did, which I think looks really <laughs> good on her. Everyone changed their hair in the last movie, and it kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of like it now that like they're doing all a bunch of... <laughs> they're just doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, like you were mentioning, Alice is ordering everybody around. Uh, she's quite a taskmaster. Doesn't master. anyone have vision? Doesn't anybody Any have real vision? Thing she says. Well, especially when they're all like carrying around enormous stumps of trees, just being like, "Where do you want them?" <laughs> yeah, it's by the aisle. What aisle? Ugh. <laughs> the the plights of a party planner. Oh my god! So the Collins are taking this wedding very well because. They're just so positive. They try their best to be very, very positive and supportive. Uh, but surprisingly, Edward uh, is kind of still feeling like, hey, it's not too late to change your mind. Um, He's still trying to make her change her mind, despite them actively setting up the wedding. Right, Like, right. it is too late, my friend. He may still have cold feet, but Bella sure does not. So in Edward's final ploy to... Uh, kind of tell her he's he's come late to the party of vampires in the cullen family telling at bella that being a vampire is terrible um and we learn a little bit more about edward which just like his siblings makes him so much cooler uh because he hasn't told us everything um during a period uh 
after he was made, uh, Edward left the family for a while and kills people. And I think that mm. it's really cool. But not that... just anybody. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Edward was very poignant about how he would only kill uh, murderers. So, like, he in a flashback where he's shown him, it looks like he's hunting a woman who's leaving a movie theater, but we find out that he's actually hunting the man who is hunting the woman who is leaving the movie theater, and he kills the man before he can attack this woman. So, like, I have in my notes, I'm just like, Edward, it doesn't make you a bad person if you killed murderers while you were, like, trying to try out blood. Yeah. That's actually, like, (laughs) the best way you could have gone about it. Exactly. Like, if there was one way that you could have told us that you killed a bunch of people, that would be the definition of the way that everyone would agree with you. Uh, it's also speaks so much to his chronically insecure character that he went to go see The Bride of Frankenstein, which is a great movie, but is all about how, uh, the Frankenstein's mont the creature, um, believes that he is not worthy of love due to how monstrous he is in his upbringing. So he kills Mm -hmm. himself and his creator and his loved one, which, uh, we can start to see some of those, um underpinnings of edward believing that that's the the solution to a lot of things going way back then uh but red eye edward i think is peak tier edward uh it was very cool (laughs) it it was very interesting i will i will give you that um it doesn't sway bella though as it probably didn't sway any of us to learn that he was even cooler than we thought Mm mm-hmm uh god oh is this right before (laughs) uh the guys show up and they're like we're gonna take edward for our bachelor party and it's just them hunting animals in the woods yeah (laughs) well yeah i love that they're just like throw him out or else we're coming in to get him and i'm just like please don't destroy poor charlie swan's house (laughs) yeah charlie swan is Really funny in this, though, <laughs> because mm-hmm. when, when so Bella's mom is coming for the wedding, uh, so her and Charlie, we get to see a little bit more of their dynamic, um, and uh, Charlie is really suspicious when he's at the Collins' house. His detective oh, yeah, mode is the, on. <laughs> he just looks at the grad cap art that they made, and he's just like, hmm. That's fucking weird. Yeah, and the mom's just um, like, oh, that's cute, and then doesn't think anything yeah. of it. <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, Charlie's been looking at these Cullens for, like, weeks and months on end, just being like, something's something's funky here. I don't it's know so what cute, it is, though, that he's like, huh. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know. Something's going on. I think they might be communists. And they're like, yes. <laughs> that's it, Sheriff. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Oh, God. And then we see that uh, Bella's high school friends have arrived for the wedding, and Anna Kendrick, in the Anna Kendrick way, is uh, speculating as to why they're getting married at 18. So she's Yeah, like, shotgun wedding for sure. <laughs> and I, I mean, I don't blame them. I was like, ah, Jess, you're almost right. She's just not pregnant yet. Right, It'll right. It'll happen later. <laughs> <clears throat> so <clears throat> before we get into the full-on wedding, because there's a lot of stuff that's going on, uh, I want to touch briefly on the fake-out dream wedding that Bella has that actually yeah. looks really cool in all that white. I I really, at first, didn't like the white tux on Edward, but then seeing everyone else in full white outfits, I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. 
especially once you get the difference between the all-white outfits and then the blood and roses being the only pop of color in the entire shot. That was really cool. So Bella has... They're not quite like prophetic dreams, but they do serve to kind of outline exactly what, you know, the the dilemma of sh- that she's going through is like. So, mm-hmm. you know, she knows that after they get married, Edward's going to turn her. And it's very soon there will come a time where she craves blood more than anything. And yeah. how quickly she will devote to the vegetarian quote-unquote lifestyle uh, is kind of up in the air. Um, Mm -hmm. And we see the Volturi in her dream uh, just show up to kind of remark that this is exactly what they want. So even if for nothing else, despite them, Bella would want to stay uh, away from human blood. Um, And I think I want to just interject real quick that I can't believe I didn't mention it earlier, uh, that um, one of the Volturi, I believe his name is Gaius, uh, is Anthony from the Sweeney Todd movie. <laughs> yeah, he's Anthony from Sweeney Todd and um, fucking Vecna from Stranger Things last year. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. He was in Stranger Things too, and uh, he was in one more thing too. God, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I just can't believe I forgot to mention that earlier. <laughs> Yeah, he really fell off from, like, playing the heartthrob in Sweeney Todd to then a vampire and now, like, this evil being in the 80s TV show. I mean, but if you look Uh, at Sweeney Todd, he was already, like, lit pale enough to be a member of the Volturi. He just didn't have, like, the killer instinct or the disregard for human life that (laughs) the Volturi have. No, because he wasn't Sweeney. He was still, like, happy-go-lucky at that point. God, can you imagine Sweeney Todd as a vampire? Yes. Damn. I actually really can't. That would be really interesting. Oh, my God. Pip, we're putting a pin in that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll circle back to that later. Okay, so... I do like the wedding. I don't know what your thoughts are about it, but I like it, and I've got a lot of notes, but I want to see where you're at with it first. Oh, well, I actually don't have a lot of notes for the wedding because I was just, like, actively watching it. My first note about the wedding is just when Edward finally has his toast. And it's actually really cute. And Dude, this the toast! The first po- this was the first point where I put in my notes verbatim, Oh, no. Am I finally actually going to change sides? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah. It starts with his little toast. Because it's really sweet, and it's, like, genuinely the best thing he has said thus far in the franchise to and about Bella. Yeah, he was all the other things he's said that are, like, quote-unquote, nice about Bella is also him, like, choosing to brood. But this is the first time he looks, like, happy when he talks about her. Because he's finally accepting happiness in his life. Yeah, I- I'm very glad that in th- we get it, it a little bit in this movie, but we get it a lot more in the next movie. It's a little bit of a jump ahead, but we've both seen mm-hmm. it now, so I can I can mention it. Um, I really like seeing Edward not uh, really upset all the time. It's really nice yes. to see him as he truly it's is. So nice, because <laughs> he's kind of awesome when he's not like being a dickhead, being the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you mentioned those speeches. 
holy shit, I love that out of nowhere, they had this, the funniest thing. Like, Eclipse had, like, zero moments of comedy. There was maybe one or two, but it was just because it was, like, in stark contrast to all the bleak shit that was happening. Uh, Mm -hmm. But (laughs) Emmett bombing his speech is so funny. (laughs) And then it was, like, Anna Kendrick coming up and bombing, and I'm like, oh my god, is everyone just gonna embarrass themselves? And then they've got those heartfelt ones at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like... Charlie Swan vaguely threatening Edward, and Edward legitimately laughing because he can't be killed. <laughs> I mean, Charlie is not vaguely threatening. He is full-on threatening Edward, being like, I right. know how to hunt. I have a gun because I am a police officer. Right. Do not mess with my child. But yeah. Edward, yes, is laughing because like, like, okay. oh, he couldn't stop me. <laughs> um, and Bella's mom goes up and like sings or something. <laughs> She's like so yeah. cringy, too. <laughs> so funny a lot of cringy cringy moments at the toasts which yeah. honestly feels like very real i loved that it feels <laughs> accurate it was so funny because the rest of the wedding like the whole the actual ceremony uh the venue is out in the woods um the lighting is somehow perfect uh mm. charlie squan crying uh i'm not crying you're crying yeah uh that was a little that was a little nice um during the procession up one of the people in the aisle you can see they're like they linger on her for a little bit it's stephanie meyer is there the author of the books also to call ahead for the next movie a lot more so but we see that the Cullens bring other vampires to the wedding. And the other mm-hmm. vampires are going to take up at least 60% of the next episode because they are all yes. individually deserving of their own franchise. There is so much to each and every one of them. Right. Oh my god. Like, we don't even meet but the legitimately cool ones yet. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just cool that they're new. Uh, but the, it's noteworthy because I, I don't remember any of their names. I'm sorry. I promise I'll look them up for the next movie. Um, but the Cullens kind of call them their cousins from Alaska. Oh, it's the... Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, because these ones are important because one of them is uh, a woman named Irina who was mating mm-hmm. with Laurent, who was the... Uh, the va- not the werewolf, the vampire from New Moon <laughs> that was murdered by the wolves uh, after mm-hmm. he was like, hey, Bella, Victoria's still totally got a nut against you, so I'm just going to kill you very quickly, and then there will be no mm-hmm. problem. So Irina and the other vampires, who are not used to the wolves, have a lot more negative feelings towards them, especially the fact that Jake and some members of the path, including Seth, uh, are in well, attendance no, at the Seth wedding. Seth is there. Oh, sorry, Seth's there. Oh. Because Jacob shows up a little bit after that. Right, he shows up like later Edward's on. little present. I, um, God, we all, we'll get, we gotta get to that in a second. <laughs> but I love that scene so much. <laughs> um, actually, that's, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to mention that uh, these vampires are gonna be important, and their nut against the wolves specifically is gonna be very important in the next movie. Yes. So they're here to establish that there are other vampires that the Cullens know, um, I believe most of them don't drink human blood. I don't think I saw red eyes, so they might keep uh, the custom not with to their cousins. not with their cousins. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's yeah, talk about when Jake came in. 
Best man couldn't find a tux. Oh, God. <laughs> I love this scene. He's... Because initially, literally in my notes, I was so petty. <laughs> I was like, Jake came. Yay? The vibes seem okay, but, and he's... Is he happy for her? Edward's giving them privacy green flags. And then he talks yeah. about the fact that he's been doing wolf stuff for a while, probably to balance his shit out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we see legitimately that Bella misses him. And it's a really yeah. big bummer that they kind of have been like, it's n- it's great to see you, but like, this will probably be the last time that we see each other. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad, legit tension of like friends that miss each other. And I really, really yeah. miss that part of their relationship. Well, and it gets to a like kind of bad ending because um, Jacob finds out that Bella's thinking about uh, spending their uh, Edward and her honeymoon together, as many honeymooners do. And Jacob's like, "Are you fucking crazy? Like that could actually kill you. Like if he just uh, how do I how do I like politely say I don't know if there's a if he yeah. <laughs> screwed her with his vampire strength, he would kill her. Yes. <laughs> and I noted Sorry, them I like, ah, the... yes, there's the Jake we I... know. <laughs> I mean, granted, this concern is, like, a little bit more valid, because it's not no, that it he's is. upset that, like, they're going to have sex. It's that if she has sex with him while she's still human, she could very easily just, like, crumble, like... <laughs> bones wise like he crushed bones yeah um and he's just like maybe just wait until like you turn like maybe don't do it while you're human (laughs) and she's like no i'm not gonna do that and sam shows up up to rein him in (laughs) and he's like we gotta go (laughs) and then okay this is the wolves are weird in this movie for me especially sam so sam is the one that's kind of like, bro, you just got to, like, let it be. You know, she's mm-hmm. going to turn. It's shit, but, you know, like, we're cool with the Cullens now. Like, there's not going to be any... No- like, you don't have... We don't have to kill them because they turn Bella. Like, even they're like, dude, Treaty or not, like, we're not going to kill these people. They helped us. Like, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. So, for now at least... Uh, the wolves are like, you need to check yourself. We would never harm the Cullens, ever. Yeah. They're our good friends. Because, of course, they change their mind later. Uh, but for now, um, Bella exit their wedding. Uh, Bella and Edward do exit their wedding doing that weird thing where they leave right from the reception to the honeymoon. Like, who the fuck do they mm-hmm. think they are? Come on. <laughs> also, their honeymoon, courtesy of Carlisle... Bro. The whole ass island to themselves. They're in Brazil, and Carlisle like bought an island that he named after his wife, and then gave mm-hmm. it to them for honeymoon times. That is some rich bullshit. That like would be really nice in real life, but goddamn, I don't know anybody who I know who would ever be able to afford some bullshittery like that. True, but you also don't know anyone who's been alive for thousands of years. I mean, you make a good point, like that. <laughs> That's, like, the thing. If you're gonna be a vampire in modern times, you're obviously wealthy because, like, of course you started, I don't know, Mattel or something. Like, you just always you have money. Google. Right, yeah, or, like, you're the 
king of some country that doesn't exist because it went extinct a thousand years ago or whatever, you know? <laughs> some crazy yeah. stuff always happens. So I, I would love to know how Carlisle acquired an island in Brazil, uh, but the fact that he named it after his wife also kind of makes me think, did Edward and Bella do that thing where they named their kid after the place that they had? You know that meme where they're like, oh yeah, Hardy's parking lot or whatever? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because they're like we're calling ahead. They're gonna do something with their mom's names, and I think we'll it might get do it. No, in no small part to the. <laughs> I think it might do in no small part to the fact that the island they conceived her on was named after his mom. Eighteen-year-olds shouldn't name children. No, they should. It. it should be illegal. It's- it always creates the worst names. Like, that's how Absidy came to be, which lets me forget. <laughs> uh, it's pronounced Absidy, but I it's just spelled A B C D E. Here's the thing you can shorten A B C into like that. You can't shorten Renezme into anything that is <laughs> acceptable. Wait, well, <laughs> well, I just still can't get over. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm no, part yep. two already. We gotta, we gotta mention it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll save it. Oh I'll my god! I want <laughs> You just watched it today. I want to hear what you thought about. You named my daughter after the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> it's the funniest fucking line in the whole franchise. Oh my god! Speaking of weirdly out of place uh, humor, um, so Edward brings Bella to this gorgeous island estate it's Mm -hmm. completely private it's got like waterfalls a beach it's got this really nice uh via that they're like staying in they've got their own staff they're gonna clean up after them all that stuff um and you know they got to the point where like edwards put the the bags down and everything's kind of settled and they're like all right you know it's it's about time and then Edward, edward leaves and bella does this really cringy like it could have been from the first movie getting ready for sex montage that like throws a wrench into the whole tone (laughs) and i love it it's so twilight i love it like it also it also kind of felt like very apt for like someone who's about oh god yeah first time being like okay i gotta do all of these things xyz plus three other things in order to be ready for it oh so like I like the music choice, it, like it just felt so like Bella from Twilight, the first one. Yeah, yeah, it does. So then, of course, Bella goes out to meet Edward in the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm gonna say, it, personal opinion, there is absolutely nothing sexy about fucking your stone-cold vampire lover <laughs> in a stone-cold ocean for the first time that you have sex. That is uncomfortable beyond reason. But that's okay, Matt. The next time they do it, they decide to break the bed frame. Bro, yeah. <laughs> in one of the most dramatic sex scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time. I wrote down, good Christ, that was dramatic. <laughs> But they did shoot it very well. I feel like the, the fade out was classy, uh, mm-hmm. and I think I. This might be a weird hot take, but I really do like the scene the next morning 
um, when Bella's just going over like sense memories of what happened last night, and we get flashes mm-hmm. of what it was. And I feel like not only was it a little bit less. I mean, the, the scenes weren't gratuitous at all, but like that no. was even less gratuitous. Because like I remember tasteful. Right, right. I feel like it was a little bit more artistic that way. And like as she describes how Bedward, uh, Bedward, <laughs> Edward <laughs> makes her feel. That's their ship name, by the way. <laughs> Bedward. It's okay, better than I can stick with it. Uh, Ella. Jella. Jella. <laughs> <laughs> you were doomed from the start with shit like that. <laughs> um. I'm sorry that we're making light of this, but like, it's a, it is very tasteful and, and classy, um, mm-hmm. and again, in just classic, like I feel like we're right back in the books again, like just how the writing was in the first movie with this, because like mm-hmm. the next th- morning, Bella has the hint of a bruise, a hint mm-hmm. of a bruise on her, and Edward does this whole fucking bitch fit. About how he's not gonna hurt her, and he felt so bent out of shape, and the whole and he pouts the whole time. He's like, "I'm not touching you again," and then Bella spends the rest of the trip trying to seduce him in in ways that only Bella can. Yeah, to try to get him to sleep with her again. And some of her plans include jumping off waterfalls because we know she likes to do that, playing chess with him, and. to her credit, trying her best to, like, do that, like, weird, like, lingerie model thing, like, where you come into a room and yeah. you're like, this is how I'm looking, babe. And, like, you stand against the the door frame. And, like, it's cute because Edward appreciates the effort, but, like, it's, she just, like, clearly is like, I hate doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and then she, like, has a nice dream about um, play winning a game of chess against Edward and then they start to get intimate, and then she wakes up, and Edward's like, oh, did you have another bad dream? And she's like, no, I had a good dream for the first time in, like, forever. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of wholesome. It's also kind of sad that she hasn't had a good dream in, like, years, but um, at least she's having a good one now. Right, right. Uh, so, they had a weird conversation. I'm sorry we got to bring this up again. Uh can and does edward actually get like pleasure from the experience cuz it seemed like because he doesn't sleep or get tired like he's not gonna stop right this is weird gray area and i'm only convinced as like a as a student of biology uh <laughs> vampires can't get tired i would wager that probably means they cannot climax so, um... But the issue therein lies. Right. So, like, he can't... So maybe that's why they're like, Bella will die. Because it'll be like, well, it just won't end and you'll your heart will give out. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do say... I, I kind of just stopped thinking about it. And I just kind of said that he should nut up and leave some marks. Um, and then after that, my note... My immediately next note was, yeah, go make her breakfast, you patsy chess-playing motherfucker. <laughs> Not to knock chess by any means. <laughs> I said Queen's Gambit did not run so, that this, so you could shit on chess for, on this podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> Honestly, Little did we realize Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 walked so that Queen's Gambit could run. Right. And honestly, I, 
I think Edward's only red flag in my book at this point is that he's just a vanilla bitch. Not to kink shame, but like that's really the only problem that I think he has right now. Is that he's just not willing to get a little rough. I mean, granted, if he were to get a little rough, he has the potential to literally break her. Mm. I wonder if there was only some way that we could remedy that where they can have sex where they don't die. Is it maybe biting her, Edward? (laughs) 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 Uh, So... Um, the housekeepers, by the way, uh, were not ready for that bedroom either. (laughs) Oh my god. That, again, this movie has a lot of, like, interspersed comedy throughout it. Like, it's a team of two people who are the housekeepers. It's a husband and a wife. And the wife is convinced that Edward is a monster, which is not incorrect. And she's actually, like, yelling at him that he's a monster, while the poor guy is in the background taking out the bed frame piece by piece. He's like, listen, honey, if he is a vampire, he clearly doesn't burst into flame in the sunlight, so we can't kill him, so why don't we leave? We just need to, we work for this man at this point. There is no escaping it. Right, like I think that's kind of cool. These movie, the last two movies, touch on um, that the Carlisles, the the Collins do have uh, human like go betweens that they will use mm-hmm. for conducting business within the human world, um, like to make new identities for themselves, to staff exqua- extravagant residences like this one. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting because whatever she, this woman thinks that Edward is, uh, he is. So he's just like, oh no, she just thinks I'm some kind of like blood sucking monster or whatever. And it's like, you get to then be the like, you get to be in the know. And like, if you're Bella, you get to go up and be like, ma'am, I just, it's so weird. He like won't go out in the day. Like you just play ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's when you just have a little bit too much fun. Right. Because this, the fun does come to a very abrupt end very quickly. Yeah. Um, um, before that happens, I do want to point out there is a scene that's interspersed amidst the honeymoon, which is um, Jacob talking to his pack. Oh, yeah. Um, and Sam is not having it anymore. Um, he's sick of Jacob trying to call the shots around the Cullens and Bella. Um, and... Sam's not thrilled about it, and Jacob's not thrilled that uh, he's not able to call shots anymore. And then they start to bring up imprinting again, which is foreshadowing for the worst plot point in the entire franchise, which I'm not looking forward to having to talk about later. I am looking forward to talking about it, because I feel like, upon a second (laughs) viewing... I know it's vindication for you. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. I feel like you'll be pleasantly surprised, because by that point, I feel like Jake is a completely different character, but the way that they frame the imprinting, and the way that they deal with it, I feel like is not as bad as I remember. Okay. Like, I bought it, you know? Is that weird for me to say? <laughs> I I don't know. We'll we'll get into it when we get a little bit closer. Yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but back, back, we're back to uh, back to the island of Esme. Um, B- 
Bella makes herself some food. She makes herself a little bit of chicken. Um, and then she gets sick. Um, must have been bad chicken, right? I mean, how? what else could it possibly be? Uh, her, she's late on her period, which is another strange thing. Yeah, it's it's only been like two weeks since they got to the island. It can't, it, oh, it must be late. What could what could that possibly mean if she's getting morning sickness, periods late? By this point, oh, Edward no. it has eyes big enough to bulge out of his head. He is so shook. Bro, they are by saucers. This. And uh, saucers. It doesn't help the fact that Bella's looking at him being like, "Can that even happen?" And then Alice calls and is like, "Hey, What's going on? Which is probably the worst thing to hear when the person that can see the future sh- calls you and is like, "Hey, what's going on? Uh, I saw some big fucking deals." Well, yeah, and then they have to call Carlisle and be like, "Can this happen, Mister Doctor? Please tell us." Yeah, right. Like <laughs> Edward is like, "We had a speed pack. Get the fuck out of here because we are absolutely fucking screwed." Uh, and it's very important to note that his last words on the whole matter on their entire trip home are Carlisle will get that thing out. And I'm glad that we're already calling it a thing because good God, um, the kid's really creepy looking for a bit. Uh, uh, that CG baby is going to be instilled in my brain for weeks. I think there's... Two different thoughts on why they did that, and I buy one of them from like a storytelling perspective, so I really hope it's that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday um, about Breaking Dawn, um, and she was telling me that the, due to the nature of the hybrid, like that this child is, we'll get a lot more into. Um, it is it is part vampire and part human, so it's a little bit like Blade, uh, where it's not like a hybrid from Underworld where it can do other weird shit. It can do mm-hmm. vampire stuff, and it's just got a weirdness about it. And I yeah. feel like to make it a CG <laughs> face on a baby was done both to show that it's a fast-growing creature so that the the child that they have for Breaking Dawn Part 2, it's like, yeah, that clearly looks like that was her as a baby. But I don't really see why that matters. So I view it more as because this thing is growing very quickly and it is of some higher-level thought before it's even born, they wanted to illustrate that it could, like, emote and it, you could see that it was, like, understanding things. Now, yeah. the technology was weird, but that made me feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, like, this also kind of is when the movie started to subvert my expectations. Um, because, much like a uh, very different film, uh, Dirty Dancing. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna be- what? <laughs> Listen, there's a point. There's a point here. Okay, yeah, please. <laughs> Much like the movie Dirty Dancing, um, I didn't realize there was going to be a plot point around the concept of abortion. And, yeah. Because um, lest we forget, that is that is a major plot point in Dirty Dancing. Yeah, I don't know the last time you watched that it. movie, but 
I forget about it every time until I'm watching that movie. Um, and it goes so far as to... There's even an argument between um, Rosalie and Alice about calling it a fetus versus a baby. Yeah. Um, and I was like, damn, this movie is ahead of its time in 2011. So uh, this is an I, argument that people still have to this day about so so many things on that topic. Right. That, I, that I is a whole whoa whoa whoa, whoa whoa <laughs> <laughs> whoa because I feel like they were it was more she was like it's a fetus which is just the definition of a living growing thing because mm-hmm. a lot of the Cullens are with Edward on that this child whatever it is is dangerous and they need to get rid of it because they don't know what it is and that's like the big thing is that vampires have been around for a long time specifically carlisle has been around for a long time and he doesn't know what this is like this doesn't happen Mm -hmm. um and a lot of the uh cullens are freaked out we'll jump ahead just to mention it right now just the reasoning we don't find out about it Mm -hmm. later but a lot of the cullens are upset because um, we will come to find out later that the reason the Volturi were invented in the first place was to curtail uh, what they call immortal children, which oh is the God. concept of a vampire who is very lonely um, will turn a child who will never age uh, and only mm-hmm. knows violence and chaos. And yeah, is the like eternal death machine yeah. of a child. It is like severe bad uh, vibes. So the Volturi were created to destroy them. So <clears throat> the Cullens obviously are like, well, the child is being born, so it wasn't turned. But the Volturi won't know that. All they're going to know is that there's a child that was born of this union, which sounds mm-hmm. suspiciously like an immortal child. So yeah. everybody but Rosalie and Bella want this child gone. And I mm-hmm. feel like it's very interesting that Rosalie is such on Bella's side for this. Because we know from the beginning of this movie, before the child's even a thing, that Rosalie and Bella have a much deeper connection now. Um, well, they I, have... I realized it, I think, later in this movie, it might have been the next movie, but um, the with Bella having this kid is the closest that Rosalie will ever get to living that dream life she had exactly. when she was still human. Exactly. So that's why she's so here for it, is because not only it will it add to their group, but also it gives her a chance to finally live out this dream that she's had for millennia. Yeah. Uh, there was a bit earlier on, too, when uh, Bella was getting ready for the wedding, when Rosalie was helping her with her hair, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Bella's mom came in, and when they gave her the brooch, they're like, this will be a family heirloom, you can pass this down to your children. And uh, I caught the look of absolute heartbreak on Rosalie's face watching Bella's mom talk about Bella's future children. Because, obviously, that's not something that Bella can do, uh, theoretically, as a vampire. Um, And it was just another thing that reminds Rosalie that she's never going to have children. So I think you're right. The fact that she's got the proximity to this child at least makes her a healthy ally. Because when they get back home... Bella calls Rosalie because she's like, bro, I need you to back me the fuck up because Edward wants this out as quick as possible. So she just needed someone in her corner and she knew that she would support her because they were already really close. And it just so happens to be like, yeah, this is the one thing Rosalie's never going to budge on. Mm -hmm. Well, and then Edward also gets somebody to add to his side when Jacob shows up and finds out that Bella is pregnant. (laughs) 
Right. And is Bro, very them, concerned. Them on the same side is so funny. Like, Breaking Dawn, we get a lot more, like, Jacob Edwards stuff. And I love it. Because well, yeah. they are so and a funny lot of it together. is Jacob and Edward against Bella. Bella, yeah. Both of them being like, dude, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> well, and they're both just like, we are two sides of a similar coin. Um, you just need to try to argue in your way before I try to argue in my way with Bella. Just so the two of us can have the same idea going at it differently. Yeah. Because Edward even asks Jake to talk to Bella to get her to, like, talk her out of the baby. Yeah. And Jake's like, listen, uh, why do you want to, like, keep it at all? Like, he's just coming in genuinely curious first, but he leaves and they're like, we're we going to do something about that fucking baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but Jake uh, rolls up with the wolf. Ch- uh, the wolf group chat comes in because when he leaves to kind of have his own uh, moment of processing... Um, mm-hmm. all the wolves are like, bro, are you okay? Uh, what's going on? And okay. this is when the wolves do a complete 180, and now we're like, okay, we have to kill Bella before she births that thing. Also, I'm just gonna say something about this scene, because I think this scene is really interesting in concept, but I really don't like how it's executed. It's a little weird. Um, <laughs> mostly because, since they're still in their wo- their wolf farms while they're having this discussion, there's a lot of, like, growling, and nobody's voice is, like, normal. Um, yeah. Everyone's been, like, a little bit digitally adjusted to, like, be deeper or something, and it's behind the growls, so you can. it's a little bit harder to understand what they're saying just from a, like, words perspective. Yeah. And I'm just like, this could have been a really interesting thing, even if you just had took out the growls and just let them talk, but it just gets a little muddled in the translation. Yeah. I mean, we learned from it that the pack is now staunchly anti-Cullen. Jake, less because he wants to support the Cullens and more because he's just sick of Sam, uh, challenges him and goes rogue. And, yeah, uh, he stands up against his alpha. Yeah, which is not really a thing. And no. it sounds like Jake wants to go warn the Cullens now because he's all about them uh, and the kid, mm-hmm. which I feel like is very convenient. Uh, but we also get Seth and Leah coming to join him. And I really want to yeah. say right now that everyone tr- le- treats Leah like fucking dog shit in this movie, and I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, like, Leah finally starts to get an arc now that she joins Jacob instead of being with the regular pack, because she's just so sick of being, like, viewed as this one, just, like, person who's hung around despite everything. And, like, she deserves so much better than that. She does. damn it. She does. And Jake treats her like garbage when she's, like, it's, like, a big deal that she's willing to help him and the Collins. And he, like, doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, but at the very least, you know, Jake should try to work some shit out. Uh, but he'll be mm-hmm. fine, I promise. Um, yeah. On the baby side, Carlisle tells Bella that she's going to die before she can deliver the child. So they're also, past super the point random of turning side her. Note, yeah. Super random p- side note about Carlisle in this movie. Um, this movie is when... Uh, the actor playing Carlisle looks the most like Carrie Elway's at the end of Saw. He does. To me. <laughs> he looks 
so similar to him, and that like was bugging me until I could find. This was the point in the movie when I finally figured out where I could place him from. Um, it was the Carrie Elway's lookalike contest. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, you were saying they can't change her now because it's too late. Oh yeah, and that just made me think that uh, the actor is in that really fucking awful movie Countdown that's always on Netflix. <gasps> no, yeah, don't watch it. It's not good. But he's in that movie. <laughs> oh, Countdown. Uh, so what a time. The original plan was, you know, they're like we can turn Bella and she can have the child and then it'll just be like well look nothing really bad happened so we're fine but Mm -hmm. they're past the point where Bella can turn because it's started to like feed on her somehow it's It's drawing a lot more of her life force uh so that Bella looks like you know she's having stage four cancer like she doesn't look like death right right and in a very short period of time Mm-hmm. So Uh-oh. they, th- their whole thing now is that Edward has switched sides to be so anti this child that Bella's like, well, you know, even if I die, like, this is our child, you should love it. Edward won't be able to live with himself w- or with the thing after she dies. Mm-hmm. And he's blaming her for losing her. Which is like a really lame way of saying you brought this on yourself, which I feel like he should. Yeah, have just it's a really big said. red flag. Yeah, it is. Um, I really wish that the red flags Edward puts on his mountain this movie like had any stakes, but they're gone mm-hmm. in about twenty minutes. But it's they are worth noting. I don't want to seem biased. Yeah. Uh, uh, and yes, Carlisle decides that <laughs> the best course of action to try to fight the thirst that this uh, weird baby has is to try to let bella drink some blood um and alice gets jasper the fuck away from there because yeah. we all know how jasper is with human that was blood cute <laughs> um and then bella tries it and she and they ask like how was it and she just goes mm, it tastes good and i'm like bella blood should not taste good while you're still human dear god <laughs> Yeah, man, they like really warped whatever was going on, but it seems to work. It's they found mm-hmm. a way to kind of wait until they figured out what else to do. Uh, and in that period of time, we gotta check in with how they've been stringing along Charlie Swan this whole time. Poor Charlie Swan. <laughs> he has the correct response when because uh, Bella calls him now that she's starting to feel better. And she's just like, hey, um, I'm going to be going to a medical center in Switzerland. And he just goes, no, I'll be there in like five minutes. And he's like, I'll get on the first plane over there. You are not going to a medical center in Switzerland without me knowing what the fuck is going on. And so she has to like talk him off this ledge because she's just not telling him anything because she's bad at communicating with her father. And she continues to not answer any of his questions. Just tell him. Just tell him what's up. Like, you can't hide this anymore. You mm-hmm. are nine months pregnant looking, and you look like you've been fighting cancer for, like, six years. And he saw yeah. you about a week ago. So you need to explain well, something like to him. Like a month. Yeah, too short a time for all of this to happen. Correct. <laughs> Not nine months. I'll give you that much. No. Um... <laughs> uh. Uh, so, while they're trying to field the, the, the Charlie Swan fiasco, uh, Edward comes around to the kid when he starts to hear its thoughts. Its thoughts. 
Yeah. What do you so now now what do you think about Edward Danny? It's it's wholesome. It's so like cute and wholesome. He, it's like the first moment he has to be like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to be a dad." Like this is actually like a thing. And like it's uh, Edward starts to warm up my heart in this movie, and it only gets better in part 2. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um But yeah, this is when um Bella starts talking about her idea for names for the baby, oh, which are oh my terrible God. names. They're terrible. EJ, so, which is short for Edward Jacob. Oh, could you imagine the cri- like the weirdness of learning about those two's history if you're that child? Yeah. Uh, or Renesme, which is a combination of both of their mother's first names. So Rose rightfully hates the names because naming your son after the two men who love you and your daughter after your two moms are terrible ideas. Correct. Uh, And also at this point, um, Carlisle, uh, Esme, and Emmett are all out hunting because they want to, like, get their energy up to make sure that they can, like, deal with whatever comes, whatever goes down. And the wolves are after the Cullens. So, like... They kind of attack Esme, and Emmett is there to save her. So, like, there's that whole dilemma going on. And then right. the baby decides it's time and breaks Bella's back, it looks like. Yeah, I'm very uncomfortable with the impromptu birth. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, it's an emergency C-section with no doctor around. It's Edward having to do it. Well, and Jacob's Rose, just kind of there. Because well, Rose is a bad addition because she's like, she's the one that's like handling the situation. But then she starts to cut and then she's like, I gotta go. Well, no, Jacob tackles her because she just starts to look at the blood. Oh, right, yeah, because she just looks at it and it's like, no. Yeah, Jacob oh, tackles oh. her and then sends her away. So it's Edward <laughs> and Jacob having to deliver this baby. Yeah, and... Bella dies on the operating table, but uh, mm-hmm. Edward hits her with a shot of pure vampire venom to the heart. Which also, I want to know why the fuck he just has a vial of pure his vampire venom at the ready around there that he can just inject in her heart. Why? Here's my like, thought. What, what are you going to need that for? Here's my thought, and I feel like it has a little bit to do with how he was acting when uh, he first read their kid's thoughts, because I'm thinking that he has been like, I don't know how vampires milk their fangs, like snakes, maybe? Uh, mm-hmm. But however he got it out, uh, um, I think that he did that to avoid biting her because he doesn't trust mm. that he could lose control. Because Edward still thinks of himself as an inhuman monster. Still does. Yes. It's... A lot less, but it's still there. And I feel like a big chunk of it pushed away the soon as soon as he read that kid's thoughts. Because he said, mm-hmm. I thought he was like he was like me, but he's like you. He's good. He was under yeah. the impression that this child was gonna come out very much like a bloodthirsty vampire, kill anything that it saw, and not have any semblance of humanity. Kind of like Edward thinks that he is deep down just a hair away from becoming again. He believes that that's mm-hmm. what he's just one bad day away from turning into. Yeah. And he read this kid's thoughts, something that he made or helped make. And mm-hmm. the kid wasn't evil. 
So yeah, it throws a big monkey wrench into his perception that he is pure evil, that he mm-hmm. is incapable of doing anything good. So I feel like he has that serum, like that, that syringe, because he's like, well, you take it. I don't want to be responsible if I do anything to you. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he's above biting her. Because he does right, bite he her. Starts, he starts biting her all over, just trying to get something to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's just Jacob desperately biting her. tried to give CPR, her. and it didn't work. Um, Jacob is a little bit... I'm a little salty at Jacob at this point, because he's just like, I am not going to kill you. I'd rather I you, want live you to with live this with for this. the rest of your life. And I'm just like, J- Jacob, now is not the time. He, Edward is actively trying to save her life right now. Like, yeah, Jesus and then Christ, Jacob. when he leaves to go upstairs and uh, then imprints on the kid, <laughs> it's like he, like he can't talk about who can't do what. All right, folks. I know everybody at home has been wondering where Danny's going to end up by the end of this franchise. Um, this is the point of no return. I cannot support Jacob anymore. Well, he imprinted on a child. He um, didn't mean to do I that. Know he, I know it wasn't on purpose, but I don't like the plot point, and I'm uncomfortable with, like... And I know they'll, like, kind of talk about why it's, like, kind of okay later, but I don't like it. It it irks me, and it, like, makes me feel weird. I'm not a fan of it. Um, I can't I can't support that. And I certainly can't support if he's imprinted on her child, him being with Bella. Um, Team Edward, we're back. We're there. Hey, everybody. This is a bittersweet victory for me because this is right when I stop agreeing (laughs) that he's bad. (laughs) Because, honestly, I feel... First of all, okay. Suspending disbelief. uh, This is a series of fantasy books that have a lot of weird magic that is... Because it's also mirroring normal reality-type contexts... I we've talked about this before, but a lot of the like toxicity of these gentlemen, I feel like is exacerbated more so by their supernatural conditions and less by them being the way they are. And this is why I feel like Jake's behavior makes a lot more sense. So I have a friend of mine who have been consulting with some of my bigger questions, uh, cause she has read the books and mm-hmm. she was telling me that Jake's behavior to Bella across the series was to set up for the fact that because the imprint thing is like fate uh, they cannot control it they don't know when it's going to happen and as much as they don't want to imprint on a child sometimes fate just says that they're going to and the reason that she puts forward that Bella and, and Jake had this like very platonic type relationship strong bond on this unspoken connection and that Mm -hmm. jacob over time because of his wolf hormones i'm gonna put misinterprets those feelings for love and knows that Mm. she feels something too because we know that imprinting works both ways so he feels uh, the connection he feels that there is something more there it just makes sense to him that it's love because he loves her too it's exacerbated because of this bond that he has with her. And that bond is supposed to set up the fact that, I guess, whatever, if there is God in this universe, or whatever writes destiny, that mm-hmm. because he was supposed to imprint on Renesme, 
that connection to Bella stood because he was ultimately still responsible for protecting her because eventually she was going to produce his imprint. I also feel like it should be noted that the imprint is not like a love bond. It's Mm -hmm. just like a general connection. And because you can build love a lot easier in those very nice circumstances, that can then blossom. That is a question for a whole other time, but I feel like the way that they put their bond into play, especially with the next movie, it Mm -hmm. seems a lot more like Jake is like Renesmee's sworn shield. He's like a bodyguard where he just kind of hangs out and helps her. And it's a little bit less creepy that way, and I feel like they had to do that because they're like, wait, whoa, we feel you guys pulling away. Let's kind of give you a little bit more. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, all I... Yeah, But the imprint is a little weird because the kid is a baby and has a weird CGI mm-hmm. face and looks, like, into Jake's soul when he does it. Because <laughs> he, like, yeah. falls to his knees and stuff. Well, and then the wolves, who aren't Jake, uh, find out that Bella has died because of this birth. And so they go in to fight the Cullens at the door... Edward is still bloody from this emergency C-section, and he's just like, I'm not letting anybody hurt my family. And then Jake also rolls up to the fight. Uh, the fight doesn't look very clean. Like, it, it's very muddled. Yeah. Um, which I guess is my, like, big issue with the wolves in this movie in particular, especially because we don't have that in any of the other movies in the franchise, including the next one. Uh, it's just something that kind of confused me about part one here, but um, I think but they might have Jake... made these movies at the same time and might have been like, we need to save the budget for later. That would make a lot of sense to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, but when Jake shows up and it's found out by the other wolves that he has imprinted, um, that means that the other wolves can't do squat. Because the number one rule of wolfdom is you can't Don't attack with an imprinted person or so, anything imprinted. So Jake, like, Heike saves the Wolf-Vampire Alliance forever with this imprint. So mm-hmm. even if we aren't okay with it, can we at least give Jake props for doing that? Because oh, in yeah. one fell swoop, not only has he brought balance to the Force, so to speak, but mm-hmm. his... His entire mentality shifts after he imprints on Renesmee. Like, he even says to Bella later on, he's like, literally nothing in the world made sense, and now everything does. Like, he is so zen out, and like, everything is so cool with Jake now. There is zero problem. He is, like, so chill and fine, and I love that for him. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's still a little bit of a shock not like a shock but more of like a oh here it is uh so while everybody thinks that bella died uh from whatever the fuck renesmee did um bella because of the overdose of of vampire venom uh, or all of the human blood that she drank in conjunction with that heals her and ultimately turns well her. yeah it's it's that she still had enough blood like flowing through her body it was just taking so long like the vampires like powers to like heal her back into a real being yeah because there was so much damage done to her by renesme's birth yeah um and then 
we get like a little bit of flashback um, to like lead into her very dramatic end of this movie where her eyes open red to yeah, show that man. she's alive. In yeah. case anybody was wondering if our main character survived part one for a part two movie to come out next year. Right. Well, she uh-huh. did in, in a way, but now she got what she wanted. She had the baby and she got turned and no one like really had to change her in a way that would have been like, oh no, I almost killed you. Mm-hmm. And then um, this movie pulls out a first for this franchise um, in that it confused me while I was watching the credits and finishing up my notes because it said with Michael Sheen. And in case you hadn't noticed, um, we haven't talked about Michael Sheen or the Volturi really much in this movie. Uh, and that's because he shows up in a post credit scene that the Volturi have. I didn't see this. What is what is the post credit oh, scene? You, oh, so um, in this post credit scene, it's like one of their like human interns they have at their like little castle thing that drops off a note to Arrow... Um, and it says it's a letter from Carlisle that they've turned Bella and it's like a like picture from the wedding or something, I think. And so uh, Arrow has the intern killed, uh, he claims, because of bad grammar and misspelling Carlisle's name. And uh, the brothers are like, oh, so that's all done for. I guess we don't have to worry about them anymore. And Arrow's like, oh, no, I'm not quite done with that family yet. And then it blacks out and goes into the regular credits. Damn. I mean, yeah, like, we knew. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there would be and more And I was like, shit. oh, the Volturi really haven't done a whole lot. I hope they show up again. Dog it. Do they do a lot? And they, they show up. I'll tell you that much about part two. They, they certainly show up. do all come to a place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the, the last bit in the movie that I think is really cool, though, is all of the Cullens and Jake hearing Bella's heart stop. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool, because obviously when they're vampires, they don't have heartbeats, they don't breathe, they don't really do anything uh, that humans do. Uh, so this was a big deal, that now we get to see Bella at her absolute best all around. Mm-hmm. Because Bella is a vampire is so much better than anything Bella has done up until now. Correct. <laughs> like, she, I also think, and part of it's because it's the last movie in the franchise and she's a little bit older now, I think that part two also has Kristen Stewart's best performance in the franchise. I agree, definitely. As a whole. And part of that's because she's been going at it for a while, but also I really think part of it has to do with how Bella is written in the next movie. Yeah. Because Bella gets to be a little bit more sure of herself and can yeah, take for once. care of herself for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Bella, it's but so yeah. great that, like, the first couple of minutes of that movie is Bella establishing that she's better than every single character that we've ever met before in terms of, like, yeah. power and self-sufficiency. And, yeah, tune in to the next episode for the grand finale of the Twilight Saga. Yeah, Springing Dawn Part 2, it's a big one, guys. Strap yourselves in. (laughs) We're going to have a lot to talk about in that next episode. I'm very excited for it. Me too, man.
Uh, but right before we go, uh, I can't believe I forgot this, but uh, I just want to note um, so this uh, movie obviously came out in uh, 2011. It did. Uh, it was directed mm-hmm. by Bill Condon. Um, we've just been mentioning the directors of all these other movies. Um, his second movie ever was in 1995. It was Candyman 2 Farewell to Flesh. Uh, yes. And then he also has done uh, Gods and Monsters, Dream Girls. Um, he directed both this and Breaking Dawn Part 2. Uh, he also directed the Disney live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast in 2017. Uh, so oh. I just wanted to make sure that he got a spotlight because he's a pretty kick-ass director. And next movie yeah. and this one are really, really well put together. Um, mm-hmm. especially in terms of just being a finale to such a huge international uh, success. Um, these movies were absolutely, without a doubt, super popular when they came out. Do you remember oh, yeah, a lot this... when these movies came out? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? These these were going around all over the place. Like, this this movie in particular, Breaking Dawn Part 1, I think was like the fourth highest grossing movie of the year oh, when it yeah. came out. yeah. Like these and movies Breaking Dawn had a chokehold on society. Oh yeah, and Breaking Dawn Part Two at that point was like, however big people might remember, like the hype for like Infinity War or like Endgame, like the Avengers movies. Like mm-hmm. before that, like there was the hype for this movie, and like I, like, I saw yeah. trailers and shit. I remember all of it. Yeah, the precursor to Endgame was uh, Breaking Dawn Part Two and Deathly Hollows Deathly Hollows Part Two. Part two. I think that Those one came two. first, right? Yeah. Because I think it was like a year or two apart, and yeah, they went hard for both of them. Yeah, and I think that they both do a really good job where, whether the franchise has them or not, the last book or movie of a, a young adult series must have a huge war with a lot of people dying. Uh, so we yes. will be covering that next week. I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about it. Yes. Yeah, there's going to be a lot in there. Follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Uh, when you're on your honeymoon, uh, if you happen to come up with a little bruise or a love bite or something like that, uh, don't go into a several days long hissy pout fit while your spouse is forced to do, to put themselves out of their comfort zone to try to seduce you back. Also don't imprint on children if you can help it. <laughs> and until next time, <laughs> you all stay spooky out there. Mm-hmm.